So we, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, expositing the book of Ephesians. If people want to know what the word exposit means, it means we're going through it line upon line, precept upon precept, trying to extract. And like I said right up front, it was like, for those of us who love pork chops or lamb chops, it's, it's not eating them with a knife and fork. It's picking it up with your hand and it's getting into the bits and pieces and sucking out the marrow and enjoying every little bit of what that lamb chop has in store for us. And not that I'm trying to reduce God's word to a lamb chop, but uh, certainly a lamb chop tastes amazing. I know there's some people who don't like lamb. I don't understand that. It's like people who don't like avocado. What's wrong with you? Don't worry. God still loves you. Exactly. There's, is that a non-avocado friend up there? Anyway, my daughter doesn't like avocado. So let's look back and let's see where we've come from. We've done chapter one. And I did, I did chapter one and I did it in two parts. And the first one was united in Christ. Then we looked at united in Holy Spirit and in the power of the Spirit. And then uh, Paul shared on united in purpose, which was chapter two and the first bit up to verse 10, where it ended off by saying that God has prepared good works in advance for us to do. Isn't that amazing? That when you're born, which was all sorted before the creation of this world, God already ordained the good works prepared in advance for us to do. So it's not like this guessing game. When we engage God, we walk in step with the Holy Spirit, and when we hear what God is saying to us, what happens is, is that we're able to walk in those things that He's prepared for us. And then Bruce shared last week on how we are united with one another in this amazing gospel that God has for us. So let's have a read. We're going to look at now United in Grace and chapter 3 from verse 1 to 13. And so it says, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that he has given to me for you, how the mystery has, made, has been made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known. To the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which he has given me by the working of his power. To me, least of all these saints, the grace that was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what this plan of this mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things. So that, this is the key verse here, so that it's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God would be known or, or shown to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purposes that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have the boldness to access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over, the, over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. So what we've seen, and if you were here in my first preach, Paul is celebrating this amazing gospel that we have. And verse 1 says, for this reason... So he's, he's, all of what I've just said, all of what Bruce preached on, all of what Paul preached on, for all of this, for this reason, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of the Gentiles. Now, I don't know about you, but there's two perspectives here. Is one is, let's look at Paul. He's in prison. Prison in those days is not the prison we have now. Prison in our day is kind of three-star hotel stuff. You get three meals a day. You, know, you, you get all the whatever you need. In those days, 
if you didn't have anybody taking care of you and bringing you food, you'd just starve to death. They didn't have the, the prisons that we have today. So Paul is suffering. And yet in that moment, in these moments, he's writing all of these letters, which Ephesians is one of them, to encourage other people. Despite his suffering, what he's doing is he is speaking to other people and encouraging them. He's serving the people around him. Even Jesus says, I came not to be served, but to serve. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. Whoever's friends with me on Facebook might have seen I shared a Simon Sinek little clip this week. And even though I know it's not, in a sense, Christian, it's based on Christian principles. And what he shared was the SEAL teams. There's a process in which you, how you become a SEAL. And when you, you look at what you have to go through, and we've seen many movies on, on, on that process and the, the basics they go through and you know, the, the hardship that they put these men and women under in terms of the, the emotional strain, the, the physical strain, and they put them out into sea and they, they have to you know, do the bobbing thing for hours on end so that they can survive out at sea and, and all of those things. And he like, will ask, well, how, how, who gets through? Who makes it through? You know, I, I lived next door to a guy who um, wanted to be a recce in the South African army. From a young age, he played with guns, bought guns when he was able to, and that's all he wanted to do was to be a, a soldier. And then we had a guy on the other side, literally our house. This guy was on our right and on our left we had another guy, and these guys were a little older than me. And this guy was a quiet guy, unassuming, whatever the case was. This guy who was quiet and unassuming landed up becoming a recce. This guy who wanted it so badly failed it three times. Never made it. And so Simon Sinek draws us out. He says it wasn't the university um, kind of athletes. It wasn't these preening leaders who delegated to everybody. It wasn't these guys who had big muscles and tattoos and tried to act big stuff and, you know, hey, I've got it all. Those weren't the guys that got it through. And he goes on to say that despite the emotionally and physically, physical exhaustion that, that these guys had, in those moments they were able to dig deep within themselves and what they did was they leant over and helped the person next to them. Isn't that interesting? That the guys who made it into the final seal and, and got accredited as, as, as a seal, a Navy seal, were those people who helped the people around them and served the people around them in those crazy moments. My, my question to us as a community, that despite what we're feeling, despite COVID, despite what you may be without a job, are you serving the people around you? You know, we've got JP at the back there. And he's been highlighted because the sound guy only gets highlighted when there's problems. But there's a man who has gone through the most excruciating year, losing his job and whatever else. But what has he done? He's served us as a community. That's the kind of guy who would be a SEAL team, who would be accredited. And I know there's a number of you in this community. And so well done. But let's keep going and serve one another and be willing to do that. Because it's not about the strength and the intelligence and the all of those kind of things. It's about the serving and the service of one another. Secondly, what we have is we've got, can you imagine, <laughs> imagine if I said to you guys, yeah, no, I've just got out of jail. Like you'd go, um, okay, uh, is, does this guy, is he trustworthy? You know, what, what did Gary do? You know, so he has Paul who's going, hey, I'm in prison. <laughs> and, and he's got these people that he's speaking to and they're going, well, um, hold on a second. Well, if God's love was so true and he was so powerful, then what are you doing in prison and what, what have you done? And should I really be listening to you because you're a bad guy, you're a convict. And your message kind of needs to be diluted, diluted in terms of what you have to say. And so what Paul's saying is you may be worried, you may be afraid, you may even be ashamed that I'm in prison. But I'm telling you that this is, I'm here because of what God has called me to. And I don't see it as an obstacle. I don't see it as something. It actually gives me uh, and sets me up for what God has called me to. 
And actually, I am proud to say that I am a prisoner for King Jesus. Now, just a little side here. I don't know how many of you are watching social media, even listening to the news. In this moment, can you imagine people going, Paul? Like, I think there were a lot of people who went, ah, forget it. This guy's a, he's a convict. And they walked away. And they missed out on what God had for him or for them. You know what's happening in our world today is there is so much disinformation and lies and all that kind of stuff. You just have to watch the impeachment of Donald Trump and you watch the Democrats only show a portion of clips about what he's done. And I'm not a Trump fan, so hear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. But how people will put up something just to pull somebody else down, but they only show you half the clip. And that's what's happening around our world today. We've got people who are trying to gain power, and so they provide misinformation or only parts of the information so that they can get what they want. The same thing with our own government, only providing some information. Even the, the governor of New York, who puts a whole bunch of people old, uh, people, old people into, I mean, COVID people into aged homes, and the COVID runs rife, and then he lies about it just to save himself. And he's won an Emmy for the way he's covered COVID. It's bizarre. So what I'm saying to you is, we've got a world that is full of disinformation. Go and seek out those things. If, if Paul the Apostle was here preaching, go and find out what he's saying. Don't just go, oh, he's a prisoner. I'm, I'm not going to listen to him. He's a convict. Across the world today, when we hear people speak, make sure you're looking at both sides. This guy looks amazing, but actually behind it, he is a muppet. Don't listen to what he's got to say. Let's watch what this world is doing, what the media is doing, what social media is doing. Oh, this is what's happened. No, no, actually, that's not even close to what's happened. That was an aside. And for free. All right, so verse 2. It says, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I've written to you briefly. And as we've seen, this is what, almost this is a summary of what's already happened. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But he uses this word in Greek, and I'm going to use my best Greek accent to say it. And it's oikonomia. Say it with me. Oikonomia, where we get our word economy from. And so what he's saying is that through Jesus Christ, what we've got is we've got the economy of grace that has come and is now resident for us to access. It's a revelation that he's wanting to inspire us to grab a hold of and get insight of. And this economy of grace is an atmosphere where we can access God's divine resources for us in any given moment. The kingdom of God has come, but it's an already but not yet. It's been inaugurated, but it hasn't been finalized. It'll only come and be be finally established when Jesus comes again. But the important thing here is how do we access this economy of grace? It's through the currency of faith. Just like we go out and we buy and we use the currency of rand to buy food and and, and gain resources. Our faith in Christ, what we do is through that faith, we gain access to those divine resources and the economy of grace that is now available to us. So... Yes, Jesus. When Jesus is brought into the equation, when Jesus arrives on the scene, when Holy Spirit brings the Spirit of Christ into a moment, what happens is those resources are made available to us. You know what? Death and destruction leave and life comes. That's why unity in, in, in Psalm 133, it says when there's unity within the brothers and sisters, what happens? God commands his blessing in life. Because Jesus is about unity, and we, we've been speaking about that over the last little while. What about Peter? He's a, There's a storm, and he sees Jesus walking towards him. If that's you, Lord, call me. He knows that there is the economy of grace, the atmosphere of the divine resources. He's able to step out on the water and walk. Now, sure, he did sink, but 
my goodness, he did step out. But then Jesus says, you took your eyes off me. So what we're called to is to be a community that is keeping our eyes on Jesus, understanding that we are the church, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Chapter 1. And we're going to look now that we're also the manifold wisdom of God. But anyway, we'll get there in a moment. I'm rushing ahead of myself. But the point is, is that what happens when we have Jesus representing the economy of grace and he's present amongst us, there's a boldness and confidence which I'll speak about in a moment. So this stewardship that he's talking about, the stewardship of this economia, it's like there's a, you know, you've got a, a person who's looking after a household or an estate, and they were stewarding all those resources. So Paul says, I am the steward that I'm coming and I'm giving you these resources. I'm showing you, here's how, how you work it. We need a tractor over there. We need to fix that fence. We need to do this. In the context of what God has done, he's saying, I am coming to reveal to you all of this good news. The knowledge of God's plan. This is how we're going to go about it. This is the, the, what Jesus has done. This is the resurrection. This is all of what he's done for us. Let's get involved. Let's work together on God's plan that he has for us. And guess what? This mystery is about the Gentiles coming into God's plan. And it's not just for the Jews. And he's bringing us into the single family. So then he says, when you read this, you can perceive it. My insight into the mystery of Christ. And what he's saying is when we become a Christian and Holy Spirit comes and resides in us, we start to, we've almost got this, this um, uh, perception or, or the sensitivity to know what is God and what is not God. And so he's saying, you're going to hear. It's like when I... I studied to become a CA, and I know, you know, I've got Anthony here and others who've studied. And, and the point is, is you study and you get all this knowledge, but you actually arrive, and I, for me, I did my articles at Deloitte, and I arrived at Deloitte, and actually I realized I knew nothing. I remember, my, my, I've mentioned this before, my, my first audit was South African druggists, and I was auditing the dormant companies. And the partner came in, and I put all the stuff together, and I had all the statutory stuff in place and all that. He says, but where's the trial balance? And I'm like, what do you mean trial balance? It's just got two balances. Yeah, but we need a trial balance because that's what determines what the financial statements are. Where is it? Oh. And you learn, and through experience, when you start to engage in the gospel, we start to walk in what God has for us, then something starts to expand. And he's saying, there's a sensitivity that you can perceive the insights that I've got if you only search for it and ask for it and start to walk in what I have for you. Verse 5 says, Which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, but has now been revealed by Holy Spirit to the apostles and prophets. That's the key, isn't it? And we've mentioned this before when I, my second preach is, Holy Spirit is like the decipher. You know, in the, in the, in the Second World War, what, the way the guys communicated, you needed a decipher. So when they communicated, if you didn't have the decipher, you could never decode. In fact, that's what, how you know, the, 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 the um, United Forces actually won the battle, was they managed to decipher it because they found the decipher. And they deciphered the code that the Germans were using, and they were able to come against them and win the battle. And in the same way, we can read the Word of God and we go, what? Like, really, this is boring and you kind of just use it to get to sleep at night? It's like the allergics and, you know. But when you've got Holy Spirit and He starts to reveal stuff and it starts to just see more and more, I want to encourage you, get your spiritual practices in play. Read the Word, journal, pray, get times of silence and solitude, listen, see what God's wanting to say to you. Because when in these moments, Holy Spirit comes and He starts to illuminate because He's the decipherer of the Word that He actually penned Himself. Verse 6, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. See, some people believe that because the Jews never responded to, to the gospel, Paul went, ah, stuff you, I'm going to go to the Gentiles now. That's not true. There were a lot of Jewish people 
at that time who became Christians. Also, the fact is people think, oh, now what happens is the Gentiles now gain the inheritance that was meant for Israel. Well, why don't you go read Romans chapter 9 to 11? You will know that that's not true. That promise is still available to Israel. How it all works, in some ways there's a mystery. But we get grafted into those, that inheritance. We get grafted into what God has for us. And we partake. So no longer are we these rival siblings trying, siblings trying to get stuff, but actually we're, this united, we're united in solidarity around the promises of God. And we receive the inheritance because we're part of the same family. Verse 7 says, Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of His power. To me, though, I am the very least of all these saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9, Paul says that he is the worst of the worst. He is like dung. If you know what dung is, without me trying to explain it, you know what dung is. I persecuted, I killed Christians. I mean, there was Paul at the death of of Stephen. It mentions it in, in, in the Bible. There is Paul standing there at the time his name was Saul, watching Stephen get stoned to death at his command. He killed Christians. So he knows that he's at the... Now, he never walked with Jesus. He was never there with Jesus. There was James, I mean, yo, James his brother, uh, John, uh, Peter. Those were guys who were with Jesus and received direct revelation from Jesus. But he was, as he says in one of his, I'm abnormally born. He was like Eugene to Blanche on his horse, and next thing, he gets smacked off and blinded. And the amazing thing is, is Ananias comes to him and says, God has sent me to tell you what you're called to. And he wants to tell you how much you are going to suffer for his name. Go read it. Acts chapter 9. Imagine God calling you and going, uh, Peter, God's called you, but he's, uh, you're actually going to suffer for his name. Do you want the job? And Paul accepts it and his eyes are open and he sees and he starts to see all of these things. But isn't it God's great sense of humor that he uses this hardened Jewish man to go and preach to the Gentiles? Because if you go and over that time, Gentiles were regarded as dirty people. They weren't allowed into the same thing. In fact, if you touch the Gentile, you had to go and do all these ceremonial washings and all kinds of stuff. They were kept separate. And yet here, yeah, no one can go, oh, but you were a little, you were always kind of on that side, you know, Paul. You were always kind of wanting the Gentiles in. And No, no, Paul can prove <laughs> by his actions that, oh my goodness, the law is the law. Galatians chapter 1, don't you mess with me. And actually, I've killed Christians. So no one could ever come against that. And so he has this amazing revelation that as Gentiles get grafted into the same promises. Maybe you feel unworthy. Maybe you think, oh my goodness, I've messed up. Paul had messed up pretty badly in terms of God's, God's plan. But he comes to a realization and he humbles himself and he surrenders to the plan that God has for him. Are you surrendering to the plan that God's got for you? Or is your pride just too big? And your pride can be on two elements. You could come and say, you don't know what I've done, Gary. God can never forgive me and I can't even forgive myself. Well, you know what that is? That's pride. Or maybe you're going, you know what, I'm self-sufficient, I don't really need God. That's pride as well. And you know, James chapter 4 verse 6 says that God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. So if you think about an an aircraft coming into land, it's if you have a humility and you surrender to God, the grace of God, the economy of grace will be able to land on the heart of your life. But the minute you allow pride to come, and you start going, well, Jesus, you haven't done enough for me. You, 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 your, your, your sacrifice wasn't big enough for my sin. Well, you're just a prideful punk. And God's going to oppose you. 
rather than allow the economy of grace and all the divine resources to be available to you to walk whatever you need to. And then notice that again, the unsearchable riches of Christ. The economy of grace has the unsearchable, limitless riches of Christ that are available to us. And I, I wish I could somehow display this to you and kind of throw it up in the air and, and show you and, and we'd have a revelation of that this morning. That's been my prayer is that we would see what is available to us as Christians. In verse 9, and to bring to light for everyone. That's what he's trying to say. That this plan, this mystery that was hidden, I'm now starting to display it to you. I'm trying to explain it to you. But like everybody says, most of the gospel is not taught, it's caught. And of course, I'm teaching this morning, and I'm, I'm hoping that in some ways, through the teaching, through the expository preaching, what we're doing is we're saying to you, go and experience God and encounter Him. We've had Jordan arrive safely back from, from Brazil, and she's encountered God on the trip. So you hear all the teachings, and then all of a sudden you encounter God, and those two things come together, and we become a powerful person for God, because we're empowered by His Spirit, having experienced who He is, and actually we move forward to do all the good works He's prepared in advance for us to do. So what Paul is saying is, this has been now, we're back on track, guys. Genesis 3, Genesis 11 has been taken care of. Human idolatry and sin has been dealt with. Now you can come back into the fold. And Genesis 12, Abraham being called, which ultimately lands up in the, the Jewish nation, ultimately lands up in us being grafted in, has now come to fruition, and we are now to be blessed. For what purpose? I'm glad you asked. Verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers, authorities in the heavenly places. I wish I could spend a lot of time on this. And I know Louise will be preaching later on in chapter 6 when we talk about spiritual warfare. But one thing we do as modern man is we separate the divine from the natural. They never did that. I'm telling you right now that there are spiritual forces around here. There are angels and demons around here. Whether you believe it or not, it's here and it's true. I'm hoping there's more angels than demons, because I think there are a lot of angels who are basically being hit by COVID or without a job, because we are not saying, hey, God, send your angels to do your bidding. Angels are real. They're not God, but they are God's servants and our servants that we can achieve the purposes that God has put in our, in our lives. So that's what it says. So through the church, that's you and me, guys and girls, through the church. So for those who are online, those who are here and you're going, oh, church and whatever, and you've been hurt by church, may, 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 I, may I beg you, don't, you don't have to be part of Lifehouse, but may I beg you, get back into church because it's God's vehicle. It's through the church. Remember chapter one, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. It's God's plan. No, I'm, oh, I've been hurt by church. I'm not going to be part of church. It's me, myself, and Jesus. We're going to stay at home and, and I'm going to worship. What's oh, great. You've got your ticket to heaven. Wonderful. But he's got plans and purposes that he prepared in advance for you to do. But you're not going to walk in there, are you? Because you're at home. Sucking your thumb because you're upset. Get back involved in community. Get back involved in what we're doing. Life us. The churches around you. There's plenty of churches in the, in the city. Together we are the church globally that should be declaring the manifold wisdom of God to all the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. We've got government. We've got Sarah Ramaphosa. There's, there's governments all over the world. There's the Joe Biden administration. There's um, Boris. There's all these guys around the world that are governments. But do you not know that there are spiritual forces behind those human governments? That we've got to come up against. And the church has been called to speak into that. And we have something to say into that. And it's the church. And here's the, here's the kicker. is when we are united as a church, 
It is the best way to display the manifold wisdom of God to this world. Why? Because when we are united, God commands his blessing in his life, and the economy of grace is established, and we get to access, access the divine resources by faith, and we walk in it, and we display that to the world and to the principalities and powers around us. No other organization in this world brings together Jew and Greek, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female, black and white, or whatever that case might be. Now, you know what? Those rulers and authorities, why do you think the church is persecuted? Because some of those rulers and authorities think that the church is going to come and impinge upon their power and their control. And so they squash the church. And they say, oh, we don't want your power here. But they actually know that a unified church is powerful. A unified church will impact this world in a way that I don't think we really comprehend. And they see it as a threat, but actually it's not a threat. What we want to impact the world with is this love and this worship of coming together. Because when there's a united church, when we are united, when there's not this squabbling and, oh, you didn't smile at me, and, oh, you didn't do this, and you did this, and you did that. But as a church, we get together, and we're united. We display all of that to the principalities and powers across this world. That's the manifold. Manifold is multifaceted, and it's joined together. Now, obviously, that's a car manifold that, that pulls the engine and takes all the stuff and exhausts them out. Imagine if we were a church that worked like a good digestive system and got all the out of us and actually walked in the purity that God has called us to. Imagine. And we are going to look at that because God's going to say far beyond your imagination in my next text next week. Why don't you show those two clips, please? I'm, I'm going to show you two clips and I'm going to speak into it based on what I've just said. Put a crew together. We're going after them. So I know, I know those are two negative connotations and clips. But what I'm trying to uh, communicate this morning, one is from the book of Eli. It's one of my favorite movies, Denzel Washington. It's a brilliant movie. And if you haven't seen it, go, look, go, go, go watch it. Because it's about him basically having the last Bible on earth after an apocalyptic moment. He's got the last Bible around. And he's trying to get it to a place where they can actually print more Bibles. And he has a guy who wants to get, get that Bible because he knows that there is wisdom. There is revelation in here that he can use. But he, he wants to use it for his own power, which obviously we've seen humanity do that. We've seen churches try and control people and try and uh, you know, want to overshadow them and, and make sure that they do what they want to do. We're not talking about that. So yes, you can use it for your own means. And God will judge you for that. But what I loved about the clip was even this guy, even the demons know that if we have the Bible in our hands and we have Holy Spirit illuminating, we become a powerful church that influence our communities and the byways and highways of life. And the second one is if we were like Grasshopper and we understood that if, if we just stood together and we stood up for what, the, not, not advocating violence at all, but imagine the church getting insight of God's plan and us walking together and doing what we did. We would be like the ants and there would be nothing that would stop us. Not to take over, not to control this world, but to see the presence of God established in our world. And I'm trusting that through the series that we see that, that we get a revelation of that. And Paul's trying to tell the Ephesians, can you see it? This is the plan. Get involved, get, get, get connected, be in, in all of what that is. And we access this economy of grace through faith. And we dispense the riches of the resources of Christ Jesus into the byways and highways of life. And you can be at work and 
Somebody's mom is sick and you can pray and we can see the signs and wonders coming and somebody getting healed. That's what's happening around us. Anthony shared on our life group the other day of, of a guy and his team whose mom was sick and we prayed and from what I understand she got released from hospital, had COVID and stuff. We see we've become the testimony, the witness of Christ, of this economy of grace to the world out there. Let's finish off lastly. Verse 11 to 13, it says, This was according to his eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness to access with confidence through our faith in him. There it is. So I ask you not to lose heart over the fact that I'm suffering for you, which is to your glory. And like I've just said, Paul's got this revelation. He says, you think that me being in jail is a problem. I'm telling you, you think it's disruptive. It's not disruptive. Actually, it's not even a setback. Because if we stay united, then it doesn't matter what's going on around us. If we stay on, on track with what God is saying, then it's all sorted. Because we then display the wisdom of God, which is in the Bible, which is in the Holy Spirit, illuminating what those things to this world. See, we are, if we are united in Christ, if we are united in the power of the Spirit, if we are united in purpose and united in one another, and united in this economy of grace, we have boldness and confidence to do what He's asked us to do. It's, it's actually as simple as that. I love the King James version of this because it says, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Now, as you guys know, I've done my Greek studies. This is the subjective genitive. It's not the objective genitive. And all the new Bibles, translations, not all, but a lot of them get this wrong. So it's actually God's faithfulness that puts me in good stead. It's the faith of Jesus that stands me in good stead. It's not me going, ah, oh, faith, uh, you know, constipated gymnastics, mental gymnastics. I've got to, no, the faith of Jesus and for what he has accomplished and his resurrection and the fact that he said he would come again, all of that stuff makes him faithful that that's what I can rest on. That's how I can live my life on because God is faithful, full stop. Yeah, but God this, God that, no, no. Christ is faithful, and his faithfulness gives me the confidence and the boldness to step into all of what he's called me to. Sometimes you think, well, how's this going to work? Well, if you're, I've said this a hundred times. I'm going to say it a hundred and one times. If the plans you think that God has for your life don't scare you, they're not God's plans for you. If you can accomplish those plans on your own and your own strength and even the strength of your family, they're not God's plans for you. You need God's power to be able to accomplish the plans that he has for you. So, sometimes people say, yeah, but God disciplines me. Yeah, he does discipline you, but he's like a good father. He's not disciplining you to punish you. He's disciplining you for correction, for destiny. That's something for parents. Don't punish your kids. Correct them for destiny purposes. Now, they may feel like it's punishment, but it's not. But the beautiful thing about grace, you know what grace is? Grace is unmerited favor. We get what we never deserved. It's not mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. We actually got grace. We get given something which we don't deserve. And the amazing thing here is, is that when we mess up, we go back to the Father because what he has put in place is not based on my behavior. It's not about behavior modification techniques. It's about us going and saying, God, Lord, thank you for your forgiveness and thank you that I'm your son and I can step back into what you've called me into. So those of you who are going, yeah, but I messed up here and I messed up there. You know what? It doesn't matter. What did, what did Jesus say to, to, to his disciples? Forgive 70 times 7 per day. If that's what he's calling us to, think of the, the perfect nature of God who continually forgives us and puts us back into purpose every single day of our lives. It should also give us confidence, shouldn't it? 
this confidence that when we're in trouble, we've all been in trouble over COVID-19. We've all had this crazy time. I don't know about you, but here's Paul as a typical dad. Like, in some ways, I can suffer, and, and it's tough and whatever else, but if someone close to me suffers, for those of you who don't know, Lee Morgan's mom passed away in the early hours, I think, of Monday morning. We're doing the memorial on Saturday. Lee sat by her bedside and, in a sense, watched her mom move into eternity. Now, watching her mom suffer was more excruciating than anything else because you can't do anything. So Paul's going, don't worry about my suffering. It's actually for your glory. I mean, does that not sound weird? Don't worry about my suffering because it's for your glory. Now, the word glory is the word doxa, which actually also is our doxology, is our worship. So what he's saying is, if you understood God's plan, you would know that me being in prison is actually a part of that plan, and that you would start to worship God despite what you think you see, because you know something better, because God has put the plan in place, and I know that I'm supposed to be where I am right now. So that what can happen is you can start to worship God through the struggles, and that is for your glory. Because then, when we do that as a community, the manifold wisdom of God is displayed to principalities, powers, etc. Does that not get you excited? That actually the way we navigate COVID-19, the way we navigate the things, the sufferings in our lives, the sufferings in the lives of the people around us, the way we do that... And the way we access the economy of grace and all the divine resources there displays the manifold wisdom to this world. And people get drawn in and they want to be part of what God is doing and come to a place of saving knowledge of Jesus. So part of this thing is is that with all of this, here's a simple thing that we need to do. And Proverbs tells us, because if you call out for insight and you cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge that God has for you. Why? Because there is these divine resources available to us. With all of what we've had, we've got access to this economy of grace through the currency of faith. Why? Because we live in a place where there's life, where there's reconciliation, where there's love, where there's hope, where all of the stuff that we've spoken of. And what we do is we open up this treasure chest of Jesus. These variety limitless riches that we have access to. We don't live as kings. We don't live as paupers anymore, but as kings, despite the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Why? Because we serve one another. We look, despite the pain, despite the exhaustion, despite the the lack, despite all of that, we look to serve the person next to us on the left and on the right and behind and on front. Why? Because there's an accreditation that we are called into the army of God, just like the seals are to navigate this world. Why? Because we are the church, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way, and we display the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers and all the people and humanity around us in the byways and highways of life. So I want to say to you, Lifehouse, let's stay united. Let's be that manifold that does those things. Why? Because not only is it for your glory, but it's for the glory, the fame, the name of God that we display on our day-to-day basis and the way that we interact with one another and interact with the world in the loving kindness and the generosity that we give to one another despite what we're going through, despite what's happening around us. Let me pray for you. So, Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you've sent your son Jesus to Project Planet Earth, that your plan is in place. 
that sure, God, you are not in control of every little aspect of our lives. We have free will and we make our choices and we live by some of those choices or the implications or consequences thereof. But Lord, I thank you that you're in charge, that your overarching plan will come to fruition, just like you brought Jesus and just like Jesus lived the perfect life as a human being to be the perfect sacrifice for us, and then he was raised to death because death could not hold him because he was sinless. And yet he took all that sin of ours on himself and gave us his righteousness. To think about that, God, just blows my mind because I don't think that's the, the best transaction. It's the most inequitable transaction that I give you my sin, Jesus, and you give me your righteousness, your right standing with the, with the Father. And so this, this morning, Lord, I pray that we would have a revelation of that big plan, that we are grafted into the inheritance of the Jewish people. And Lord, we receive all of what you've promised right from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through. And as much as we mess up, thank you that my salvation is not based on anything that I do. As Paul spoke of two weeks ago, I've got nothing to boast on. None of my works, nothing, but by your grace. And I access that simply by faith. This economy of grace, this divine resources that are so multi and, and multiplicit and various that, Lord, I can access those things on a day-to-day basis to live out a life and display your manifold wisdom to the principalities and powers and to humanity. Lord, bring that to light. Holy Spirit, won't you fall fresh on us this morning and bring a new revelation of that in Jesus' name. Amen.